If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10. Let's give you one scripture first. Yeah, I pray you're all right back there. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Everyone's, everyone's okay, right? Everyone's okay? Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. Amen. So they're still learning to walk by faith. That's okay. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 says, it says, Jesus is speaking. He says to us, he says, I have given you authority to trample. Authority to trample. Authority. I've given you authority to trample. That, that, that doesn't mean just dance around or walk around or tiptoe around. It means to stomp. <laughs> to stomp on snakes and scorpions and over... To literally stomp on all the power of the enemy. Remember back in the day, uh, it was Kurt Franklin had a song called Stomp. Right? Stomp, yeah, right? Okay. This whole idea of stomp, yeah. It, stomp on all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. I, I, I got another video. I, I just love these little videos of, of these guys when Satan's trying to scare you. When Satan's trying to scare you, I love these, right? But you remember, God didn't call you to be afraid. Come on, somebody. Watch out. Let's go. Come on. Can I get an amen? Yes, Lord. See, I shared this with you last week. But whether you realize it or not, whether you are conscious of this or not, whether you are aware or not, we are constantly in spiritual warfare. It is happening all around us all the time. This is why Peter told us in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, he said, to stay alert or be sober, right? Watch out because your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Sister Nancy, I've heard it said that Satan's greatest accomplishment is convincing humanity that he doesn't even exist. I was actually shocked by this. I was looking at a Gallup poll from, from July of 2023. The Gallup poll just came out a few months ago. And here's what it said. It said 74% of Americans say they still believe in God. 74% still believe in God. But only 58% believe there's a devil. So the, Who are we blaming the evil on? God. I, I'm, and this is actually the lowest it's been in like 30 years in terms of just our belief in both God and the devil. So if Satan can convince me that he doesn't exist, then the, what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep downplaying and doubting that he's there. But that also means the more I downplay and doubt he's there, the more he has free reign to bring harm and hindrance in my life. Can I tell you real quick, do you know who never doubted the reality of Satan? You know the answer. Jesus. Jesus never doubted the reality of the devil. That's why in Matthew 4, the Bible tells us he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And here's what Jesus said about, about, about this devil he believed in. He said this. He said, the mission of the thief is to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you got that back for me? You got that back for me? Or Cordy, can I get that back right there? Can I get that back? Do you know that, that the, the best thieves can actually steal something from you and you didn't even know it happened? Anybody missing one of these? Anybody missing this? Yeah, yeah you had no idea? Yeah, Pastor Beto? And, uh, uh, anybody missing this right here? Their fanny pack. Anybody missing that? They're yours? Oh, did you know it was missing? Yeah, of course. Of course you didn't. Of course you didn't. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This looks important. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Anyone miss one of these? Don't claim it if it isn't yours. Michael Coors. Uh, uh, okay, okay, watch out, watch out. Somebody better come claim these things in a minute, Dill. All right. Uh, everybody missing these bad boys. I don't even know who these are, but. This, this might keep you here all day. Anybody missing these? Hello. All right. Did you know what's missing? Did you know? Did you, you had no idea? Oh, that, okay. Thank you. The, the, best, the best thieves know how to steal from you and you have no idea it was missing. I had Dylan walk around before service snacking these things up because you had no idea Dylan knows how to steal. He got sticky fingers. Glory to help Jesus. But though the mission of the thief is to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus has a counter mission. And his counter offense is, is that he came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I need somebody to take a moment right now and praise this Jesus who showed up for this whole reason. According to 1 John 3, 8, the whole reason Jesus was manifest was to destroy the works of the devil. Somebody praise him that what Satan meant for evil Jesus showed up to destroy it so that you might receive God's grace. Amen. All right. All right. All right. All right. I promise I'll let you sit down. Hold on. Hold on one more second. One second. I promise I'll let you sit down. Here we go. Genesis 3 says this. Genesis 3 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord had made. The serpent said to the woman, to Eve, Did God really say you must not eat or you cannot eat from any tree in the garden. Did God really say? Give him verse 6, Bez. Then the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. And was also desirable for gaining wisdom. Yikes. So she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was standing right there with her. And he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. I'd like to talk from this subject just for a little bit today, if I can. I did it to myself. Come on, I know it's tight, but if it's right, put your hands together and say amen. I did it to myself. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, Courtney, we need to make sure everyone gets their stuff back. Amen. Okay. Because that's what Jesus does. The enemy steals it and Jesus gives us all back and then some. That's the abundant life that we have in Christ. If I may for a moment, if you, uh, you want to flip in your Bible, just I want you to have this verse because I think it's an important verse to know in both covenants from Hosea chapter 4. And, and in this verse, God is speaking to the priests and he's telling them, listen, hear me. You're screwing this whole thing up. You're not delivering truth to my people. And here's what's happening to my people. My people are being destroyed for the lack of knowledge. I've heard this verse preached many times before, but in context, God is speaking to the, the pastors of this day and hour. You're not preaching truth. And because you won't preach truth, my people are being destroyed for the lack of knowledge. So when we look at this verse, if we really understand what, what this means, God is telling us 
Ignorance is expensive. <laughs> I don't know how else to tell you this, but if you're really looking to have a great life, then you can't build a great life if you build it on bad information. Ignorance becomes expensive. And that's why I believe it is so critical and so consequential to be selective about who or what we are allowing to influence our lives. Because listen to me, whoever has your ear has your future. Oh, th thank you for that one clap. Amen. Because somebody gets what I'm saying. I've got, I've got to be more selective about who I'm letting speak into my life, about what I'm listening to. And this is also why I believe that it is so all the more critical and all the more consequential that we build our lives on the most dependable source of information that exists. Somebody say the word of God. What the word of God is, it's an, owner, it's an owner's manual for all humanity. What the word of God is, if you will, it's a life hack. You've watched watch these videos about life hack. This is a life hack for the game of life. Okay? This is the blueprint to God's best for your life. So if, if I'm going to allow any source of information to influence how I live mentally, how, how I live financially, how, how I live relationally, how I live morally, how, how I live my life, this information should possibly be the most reliable, dependable, powerful source of information that exists. The Word of God. So what I believe we need to do is I believe we need to develop the skill of not just reading the Word of God regularly, I believe we need to develop the skill of learning how to interpret the Word of God accurately. Oh, somebody help me out here just for a moment. Okay, help me out here. What did, what did Paul tell Timothy one time in 2 Timothy 2? He said, make every effort to present yourself approved to God or study to show yourself approved to God. An unashamed workman who accurately handles the Word of truth. Let me say it like this. The Word of God is only God's Word when it's interpreted accurately. I said the word of God is only God's word when it's interpreted accurately. Think about what I'm saying. Do you know that the Bible has been used inaccurately to keep people in slavery? Do you know that the Bible has been used inaccurately to justify the subjugation of women? Do you know that the Bible has been used against me inaccurately to exploit me, dehumanize me, control me, manipulate me, belittle me? Because what they'll do is they'll throw scriptures in my face like, Pastor, you have to open up your hand wide to your brother, to the poor and the needy. Well, how did you get in that situation? Because I'd love to help you get out of it. They, they, they will use scriptures to, to belittle me and control me and say, you must obey your leaders. You must submit to the authority on your life. And I, I'm not saying I disagree with the word of God. I'm saying I disagree with your interpretation of the word of God. Ooh. I've had people use me because they told me, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. And I just remind them what Jesus never said. I had to take the other smack. I feel like my applause is starting to increase. Hello, somebody. Okay, here we go. Listen to me. Listen, I mean this all the love I know how, but if you have consciously or unconsciously misinterpreted or misrepresented the word of God, then it is no longer the word of God. 
It is your interpretation. That's why some of you are, are, are you're frustrated right now. Because you were taught traditional interpretations. You were taught denominational interpretations. You were taught ideological interpretations. You were taught national interpretations. You were taught religious interpretations. You were told stuff like this. God no longer heals. God no longer performs miracles. The, the days of the gifts and the move of the Spirit have ceased. You've been taught those things, and that's why you're frustrated, because I'm telling you there's a God who can heal, but you don't believe it. Or, you grew up like me. You were Pentecostal. Woo! And you were taught if you spin around three times... <laughs> That God's going to turn that situation around in your life and you're still waiting for things to turn in your life. You were taught to high five seven people the number of completion and by the time you get to the number of completion everything's going to be completed in your life and it's still incomplete. You were taught to, to throw a dollar and holler. Woo! And man, it was going to come from heaven and you still hungry. You were taught to name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. Call it, haul it. And it still hasn't manifested in your life. And now you're frustrated. Why isn't it happening, Pastor? I did all the things I was taught to do. Here's why. Because God is only committed to perform and fulfill what he says, not what you think he meant. Can I get it? Amen. I really am trying to build some allies today. I'm not trying to create any enemies, I promise. Today, what I'd like to do is, is I'd like to give you this. I'd like to give you a biblical principle of interpretation. You've heard me minister this years ago, but it's, it, what, this is what it's called. It's called the law of first mention. The law of first mention. So anytime something is mentioned first, we need to pay attention. We need, we need to listen. We need, we need to take account. We, we need to study. What we see in Genesis 3, it's the first time that we are introduced to this force called our adversary, the devil, Satan. The first time we see him is in Genesis 3. And Peter refers to Satan as our enemy, our great enemy. So what we see is, is he shows up the first time, the law of first mention. And what we need to learn about the law of first mention is that we will often see a pattern mentioned, now a pattern. He was mentioned, and now I'm going to see a pattern of how he works. If you will take the time to actually peruse what Satan did to Adam and Eve, you can almost predict what he's going to try to do to you and me. Jesus said like this one time, he said like this in Matthew 7, he said, you will know them by their fruits. Verse 17, a good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Listen, am I really judging a cherry tree if it's producing cherries? Pastor, why are you always judging me? I'm not judging you. I'm just simply saying those are cherries, and I'm allergic to cherries. I'm not judging you. I'm saying that's gossip, and I'm allergic to gossip. I'm not judging you. I'm saying I'm, that's a demonic bad attitude, and I'm allergic to the demonic. I'm not judging you. I'm simply saying you shouldn't be listening to that music because it's been influenced by the pit of hell, and I'm allergic to the pit of hell. 
I'm not judging you. I'm simply calling a cherry tree what it is. You're producing that fruit. So what I'm trying to tell you is when we can predict it, we can protect it. If we can predict it, we can protect it. Think about it like anybody besides probably mailmen, anybody ever um, watch the Weather Channel or, or have weather apps on your phone? When I used to carry mail, I had like five weather apps on my phone. Okay? I just want to make sure I got it accurately. Okay? Why? Because if the meteorologist says to me, hail is coming. The meteorologist says to Pastor Bethel, the hail, hail is coming. You know what Pastor Bethel's going to do? He's going to take his Bentley from outside and he's going to park it in the garage. Why? Because if he can predict it, he can protect it. Oh, okay. You see where I'm going with this. But, 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 but wait, Pastor, there are certain things I can't predict. You're exactly right. But when we can learn to predict what Satan is going to do, we, all we've got to do is just simply pay attention to his patterns, and I can figure out, I can predict what he's about to do. So notice what happens. Notice that when the snake shows up, he doesn't destroy the life of Adam and Eve. No. All he had to do was simply talk them into destroying themselves. Satan just simply tells him, did God really say? He didn't destroy them. He just influenced them into doing it to themselves. Ooh, should I just hang out here just for a moment? Because if Satan did it to Adam, then I can predict and conclude, he's going to try to do that to me. Yeah. Because all throughout scripture, what I see is this. I see Satan operating according to the same pattern. He didn't destroy Moses. He talked Moses into destroying himself. He didn't destroy David. He just convinced David to destroy himself. He didn't destroy Solomon or Samson or Judas. He just talked them into destroying themselves. And all throughout the Old Testament, Satan's pattern was successful. Each one of them, line them up, shoot them down. And then he thought in Matthew 4, he could try it on the son of man named Jesus. Let me try the same exact pattern. Because it worked on Adam, and it worked on David, and it worked on Solomon, and it worked on Moses. If it worked on them, maybe it will work on Jesus. But if you will read Matthew 4, Jesus just looked at the devil and said, not today, Satan. This ain't going to work on me, because I know what God says. And I believe there's somebody in this place here today. You're just simply tired of crying over the same stuff that you've gotten yourself into. Somebody is tired of digging themselves into the same rut. I believe somebody's going to let the devil know here today, not today. I'm no longer going to self-sabotage my future. Come on, if you still believe that God can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for your good, put your hands together and let the devil know, not today. Not today. Not today. So God gives us his word. And God's word, really, what is it? It's information about Satan's schemes. Why? So we will not remain ignorant. Stick with me for a moment. When I have information, I can make some predictions. And when I can make some predictions, 
ultimately I can make some preparations. This is why Paul taught us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, we should not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. I'm not ignorant of, of his plans. I'm not ignorant of his trickery. I'm not ignorant. Of, I think Paul said in Ephesians 6, of the wiles of the devil, the schemes of the devil. So the times, so the times that I am ignorant of Satan's schemes means those are the moments Satan is able to outwit me. Makes sense, right? He can't outwit me if I'm not ignorant. But if I'm ignorant, he can outwit me. I want to give you three things quickly. I'll, I'll be as quick as I can. Three schemes. Scheme number one. Satan will use dissatisfaction. Thank you. Thank you. I was waiting for you, sir. Satan will use dissatisfaction. Somebody say amen. Come on, just be honest. Come on, honest church. What do you see here? Adam and Eve, they weren't dissatisfied initially. Everything was great. They were, they were loving the life that God had, had given them. They were walking with the Lord in the cool of the day. Anything they wanted was available to them. They weren't dissatisfied initially. But then Satan sows his seed of deception. And now what one time was bliss and happiness now is discontentment. Wait a second. Wait a second. God gave me all these trees in the garden. All right. But why does the devil got you just looking at the one thing that you don't have? Yeah, I've heard it taught before that the first temptation in the Bible is actually the temptation to focus on lack. To focus on what you don't have. To focus on what somebody else has that you're lacking. So the scheme of Satan that he used against Adam and Eve is that same scheme he's going to start to try to use on you. And Satan will get you so agitated about the one thing that you don't have that you can't even focus on everything else God has blessed you with. I'm going to be real careful about what I say next, so everybody listen to me. Listen to me. Americans, we are so stinking blessed and so stinking blind at the same time. Ooh, good Lord, how many teenagers right now and even some adults? You've been on your phone the entire service and you're sneaking out to use the bathroom multiple times during my sermon. Oh, and this is just today. This is every single, every single Sunday. Now listen, I can't see your eyes because these lights are so bright. But for some reason when I can see your, lace, your face all lit up, it ain't the glory of God. You look at your screen, baby. And what do you, listen to me. What I'm simply trying to tell you is you're sitting in God's house and God's word is going forth and you are ignoring his truth. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. You are so freaking blessed right now that God doesn't just strike you down for your irreverence. But you're also so blind that you can't see the enemy's trying to keep you distracted. Ooh. I gotta go pee, Pastor. He uses dissatisfaction. He initiates this dissatisfaction over just one tree. And what happens? Over one thing that Adam gets dissatisfied about. Over one thing. He loses the entire garden 
because of the dissatisfaction over one. If you can honestly just take a look back over your lives, you can see that probably most of your self-destructive behavior was because Satan got you dissatisfied. Come on. You don't step on your, out on your spouse because your marriage is awesome. I better just stop right there. You don't cheat on your taxes because you got enough money in the bank. Or maybe you do. Help him, Jesus. You don't church hop. I'm getting the daggers. Now I know I see somebody's face lighting up with their cell phone screen. Hallelujah. Okay. I, was, I, was, I was checking the, the scriptures, Pastor. Amen. I was checking the scriptures. Here's what I believe some of you are going to tell the devil today. Look, I'm done letting you or anyone else deceive me into destroying myself anymore. Not today, Satan. No more dissatisfaction. Second thing I want to show you is this. The second scheme that Satan uses is exaggeration. I mean, it was right there, Sister Nancy. The first thing we hear out of the devil's mouth is, did God really say? Exaggeration. Did God really say? You can't, you can't, you can't have the fruit of this tree. Did God really say that? Come on, 2023. Did God really say you can't explore your sexual identity? Yeah, these are things that get me canceled. Bring it. Did God really say that? Come on, you know God knows your heart. Did, did God really say that you can't cheat on your spouse because God knows you're so lonely? Did God really say you, you shouldn't step on someone else to get ahead in life because God knows you could use the extra money? Did, did God really say don't overeat? Doesn't God want you to be happy? Did God really? Well, I got a little, really? Did God really say that? The scheme of the enemy is to exaggerate. Literally, because most of my wrong choices I've made in my life are the result of wrongly responding to Satan's exaggerations. Here's what exaggeration really is. Exaggeration takes place in my imagination, right? So what, what Satan does is he exaggerates things, right? And he makes the, the good things look worse than they really are. And he makes the bad things look better than they really are. Think, think about it, right? In Numbers chapter 13, verse 33, 12 spies go into the land of Canaan. Two come back and say, we got this. God is on our side. We're going to take this milk and honey and these grapes. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, let's go. And 10 come back and say, look, there are Nephilim in the land, giants. And we, we look like grasshoppers to them. How do you know? Did you ask them? No, you didn't talk to those grasshoppers. No, no, you didn't talk to those giants. You, you said this about yourself because what the enemy does is he exaggerates your imagination. He exaggerates the problem. He exaggerates the adversity. He exaggerates the situation. He makes it seem worse than it really is. 
And we were singing this song just a moment ago, and thank you, Jessica, for leading it. But, but it comes from this idea in 2 Kings 6 where the king of Aram, which is present-day Syria, is coming against the kingdom of Israel. And what he's trying to do in particular is capture the prophet Elisha because Elisha keeps speaking to the king of Israel what the king of Aram is talking about in the privacy of his own bedroom. So the king of Aram says, I need to capture this guy and stop this guy from what he's doing because I can't terrorize God's people when a man of God keeps pointing out what I'm trying to do against God's people. About to turn political here, help me, Jesus. And so what he does is he sends forth in the middle of the night, he sends forth a strong force to capture Elisha. Look at with me in 2 Kings chapter 6. And here's what happens. When the servant of the man of God, when the servant of Elisha got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And the servant said, oh no, my Lord, what are we going to do? Because in his mind, he says, all I see is me versus this entire enemy. All I see is me surrounded by an enemy that's going to destroy me. Listen to me. The enemy is always going to exaggerate your adversity. But here's what you need to know about your God. What you see can only change because of what God says. And in fact, when God begins to speak, he can change what I see. Because the man of God says this, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, and this is my prayer for you today. God, open up their eyes so that they may really see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of chariots and, uh, and horses of uh, chariots of fire all around Elisha. What I'm simply trying to tell you, it's not the giant out there that's stopping you. It's not the giant problem or the giant obstacle or the, or the giant situation or the giant devil that's stopping you. It's the small exaggerated imagination stuck inside your head. But that's why Paul taught us in 2 Corinthians 10, we must cast down all imagination and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring every thought, even the exaggerated imagination, bring every thought captive to obey Jesus Christ. He uses exaggeration. He uses dissatisfaction. Here's my last thing. Satan uses Last scheme, separation. Why did Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden? Because the enemy was able to use dissatisfaction and exaggeration. And now they are separated from their source. Come on. Now, uh, here's what I love about our church. We often talk about how God separates us from the evil how God separates us from our past, how God separates us from who we once were and who we could have been. Can somebody just thank God for just a moment that he has set you free from, from sin and struggle and evil? And if he separated you from anything, can you say, thank you, Lord? Whew. He got me out of what I didn't need to be in. But what I want you to consider is that Satan is also trying to separate you from the source of all good things in your life. Let's put it in perspective. Let's give us a New Testament story, if you will. Luke 15, most of you are familiar with the story of the prodigal son. In the story of the prodigal son, 
what we see is how the enemy uses dissatisfaction and then exaggeration to create separation, right? In the story, what we, what we have is we have these two sons, and they're both blessed. I mean, they're so extremely blessed. Why? Because they're connected to their source. They're in their father's house. That means everything they have is coming to them from the father. He is their source. But eventually, the younger one, he starts dealing with some dissatisfaction. And in fact, the enemy begins to exaggerate the dissatisfaction. He goes so far as to say this to his father. Give me my inheritance. Say what? You can just read over that and not even think anything about what he's really saying. When do you get an inheritance? After someone dies. He tells his father, you are already dead to me. So give me what I'm owed. Give me my inheritance. And then he takes what he received from his father. And he leaves. And then he has everything that he wanted for a season. I'm looking at some men and women that are te living testimonies of you separated from the source. And sin is fun for a season. And you enjoyed yourself for a season. But eventually what happens to us is what happened to the prodigal. Because now he's separated from his source. And when you get separated from the source, you are going to squander everything you've got. Oof. And the Bible tells us in that moment when he had finally, when he literally came to his senses because he, he had lost everything and he realized I was living off the overflow of my connection that I no longer have. I've been separated from my source. So he says this, he comes to his senses and he says, I will go home to my father and simply say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on now as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father and you would think, okay, you know what? Daddy might bring him back in as a hired servant because that's what he really deserves after telling his daddy, you're dead to me anyway and I'm going to waste everything you built for me, everything that you gave to me. I've squandered it all. Daddy, just let me just come on. I don't even need, I'm not even worthy to be called your son anymore but this is what I love about my God no matter how Satan causes you to be dissatisfied, no matter how he exaggerates and cause a separation there is someone who was waiting for you to come back home but while he was still a long way off his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion he ran to his son he embraced him and he kissed him I came to declare over your life today somebody is coming to your senses and you are no longer going to let the enemy separate you from your source I need somebody to tell the devil to day I will stay connected to the source I will stay connected to my church I will stay connected to my purpose I will stay connected to the word I will stay connected to my brothers and sisters I will stay connected someone say stay connected I will not let the enemy dissatisfy me and exaggerate me and becoming separated from my source 
schemes. Spiritual warfare happening even in this service. Some of you are dissatisfied because I'm not done yet. Some of you are just like, man, I wish you'd stop exaggerating. I really am looking for a scripture on my phone. Some of us get misplaced, they completely separated. Not even, not even knowing. I'm enjoying myself right now. But I've severed the connection to the giver of life. And anytime a branch gets removed from the tree, it begins to wither and die. It doesn't happen immediately. But it will begin to happen because it's now been separated from its source. Here's what I want to give you, and I, I promise I'm wrapping this up. I just want to give you three ways to overcome the schemes. Okay? Number one, here's the first thing I want to give you. Here's how you overcome the scheme. Silence the snake, y'all. Just, just tell him to shut up. Just shut up. Silence that snake. Think about it. The fall of all humanity happened because one man, Adam, didn't silence the snake. He just told him, shut up. Get out of here. He had a chance to man up, and he didn't. And now the rest of us are suffering the consequences of his decision. Here's what snakes really are. Snakes are those people who, who have poison in their mouth. And if you keep giving your ears to people who have poison in their mouth, stop being mad at God when you keep self-sabotaging your own future. You've given your ear to poison. What is poison? Poison is just simply that thing that makes you feel discontent, dissatisfied. I, I, who is making some of you discontent right now? I mean, come on. Come on. If God called you to be a mama, then I don't care what they say, what else you should be. Be the mama God called you to be. If, if God called you to, to, to work with children or work with teenagers, don't let them tell you, use it as a stepping stone to eventually get to a senior pastorship. No. God called me to be here. I will be, I will be the best kids minister, children minister, teen minister, youth I will be the best I can be. If God called you in any form or fashion to own a business, to run a ministry, to be at Impact Church, don't let anybody mislead you with poison in their mouths. Get your heart so full of discontent that you can't be who God has called you to be. Because if God didn't call you to do it, you're, gonna, you're just going to be frustrated the entire time. You're going to struggle the entire time. It is best that we be who God has called us to be. So I overcome the scheme by silencing the serpent. Here's how else I overcome the scheme. I've got to audit my emotions. Yeah, I expected to get quiet. <laughs> what do you mean audit my emotions? I mean, just because what you feel is real doesn't mean what you feel is right. Oh, I'm not saying you're not upset. I'm not saying you're not you know, angry. I'm not saying you, you, you don't, you're not justified in, in what's going on in your heart. I'm simply saying just because it's real 
doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean that I should act on it. Sometimes my emotions are the very thing that the devil is using to exaggerate the situation anyway. Come on, it wasn't that big of a deal. And then the enemy got in there and exaggerated. Now you, now you know, you pastor should have been at the door to shake your hand. Come on. Why is he still at the altar praying for people? You know, you know he's just ignoring you. You know he's down there just, you know, you know, you know what's going on. The enemy is using your emotions against you. And this is why the Bible actually teaches us that we have some degree of control over our emotions. David taught us like this. He actually had to talk to himself two different times in Psalms 42. In verse 5 and verse 11, he says the same thing to himself. He says, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Oh, wait, stop. Stop. Soul, stop, stop being a whiny little baby. Instead, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Listen to me. Sometimes you have to just talk to you and just tell yourself it's time for you to calm down. It's time for you to chill out. It's time for you to stop being so emotional. It's time for you to just throw up your hands and praise God anyway. Can I find somebody who's willing to talk to yourself and tell yourself, stop being a moody little baby. Stop throwing your temper tantrum. Instead, throw up your hands and give God what he deserves. The praise, the honor, the glory he is due. Amen. Man. Stand your feet with me. Stand your feet with me. So he calls out the schemes. Calls out these schemes in scripture. And he says, he says, not only do I, I, I need you to silence the serpent, I need you to, to order your emotions. And I want to I want to say it like this. Because yes, I was raised a Pentecostal boy and if you know anything about Pentecostals, we're praisers. That's what we do. Yeah. We, do we just praise. We just, you know, we end up ripping you know, buttons off our jackets. And, and you, know, you, you know us because after service, the mascara is just everywhere. Yeah. You, know, you know how that goes. You, you, know, those, you know those Pentecostals because, because there's something about us that we just, we just made up our mind a long time ago. Your opinion of me matters far less than what God deserves. And, and it, listen to me, you don't have to be a Pentecostal. Just apply the scripture. This is what I learned as a Pentecostal. To love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength. That's what I do. That's what I do. That's why I praise myself stupid Thursday night. So to the point I pull the back muscle. In fact, I pulled the back muscle so bad I couldn't even breathe Friday morning. <gasps> oh, God, you're worthy. Oh, God, ow, ow. Now, I'm not telling you you have to do that. I'm just simply saying, if you want to overcome the schemes of Satan, there's power in your praise. So can I encourage you today, because some of you haven't even done this yet, prime your praise. Oh, you... You want to overcome Satan and all of his schemes? You got to prime your prayer. You know he's already scheming and planning and plotting to distract you, to dis disturb you, to depress you, to destroy you. You know he's doing it. So if he's already plotting and planning, then you need to plot and plan too. I'm going to prime my praise. I'm going I'm to get that bad boy worked up. 
Here's what prime simply means. It means to prepare. It means to, to get it ready for operation. It, did anybody ever grow up like on a farm or an area where, where, where you just could flip the, the faucet on, right? You had to actually go to the pump handle and, and you had to pump it. You had, and sometimes nothing came up right away. You had to keep working that bad boy. But eventually, as you kept working it and wouldn't give up, eventually your priming produced something i just want to tell you instead of staring at me every sunday and looking at this worst team with your hands in your pockets let the enemy know i know you've come against me but i'm coming against you as well and i'm coming against you in the name of the lord of hosts i'm gonna pump up my praise i'm gonna prime my praise i want to speak to somebody who's believing god for something right now if it hasn't happened yet that just simply means it hasn't happened yet because it might be be today if it ain't today it could be tomorrow all i know is you're one day closer to god keeping his word i need somebody to pump up your praise right now prime up your praise right now and declare i'm i'm expecting i'm believing god's gonna do something awesome i'm expecting god's gonna do something amazing i'm expecting god is gonna keep his word put your hands together and let the enemy know lift up your voice and shout and let the devil know I'm pumping up my praise I'm priming my praise because I'm expecting I'm believing that's all I'm simply trying to tell you that's all I'm simply trying to tell you every week instead of coming here and waiting for me to get you to this point in the service you can do this by yourself you can, you can prime your praise on your way to church instead of yelling at your spouse and yelling at your kids hello somebody Throw on some praise and worship and just sing praises to God. And let them know when I get to your house, I expect to see the victory. When I get to your house, I expect to have my miracle. When I get to your house, I expect to see you move in tangible ways. I prime my praise. And this is how you actually outwit your enemy. There's really nothing more powerful in our arsenal than your praise. Yes, you have prayer. And I know the power of prayer is effective. Yet, yes, we have the word of God. And the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Yes. But anybody can pick up a Bible and read it. Anybody can get on their knees and call the name of the Lord. But it takes somebody who has faith to throw up their hands and say, why are you so quiet and downcast soul? Oh, heck nah. Heck nah. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Will you help me in this moment right now, just for the next 30 seconds, can we all just lift up our hands as high as we can? And I'm going to ask you to do that half mass thing that you did growing up. I mean, just throw them up there really high. Throw them up there like, like, like you're a referee in the end zone and they just scored a touchdown. Just throw them, that's right. I just, touchdown. Touchdown. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do for the next 30 seconds. Don't make this about me and don't even make this about you. Make this about your God who is worthy of all your praise, who's worthy of all your worship who right now around the throne of heaven there are 24 elders that are throwing down their crowns angels encircling the throne and declaring worthy is the lamb that was slain 
They're declaring to him be the glory and honor and dominion and power forever and ever. Can you just help me praise your God? Come on, I'm not saying to look at your pain. I'm not saying to look at your problem. I'm saying just praise your God. I'm saying don't just, don't focus on what you don't have. Don't focus on where you're dissatisfied. Don't focus on the exaggeration of the enemy. Don't even focus on where you've been separated. Just throw up your hands and say, God, you are worthy. God, I praise you. God, I praise you. God, you alone deserve it. You alone deserve it. You alone, you alone. To you be all the glory. To you be all the honor. To you alone. Come on, I need some men and women just for a few more seconds. Come on, prime that praise. Prime that praise. Because something is going to flow out of, the, out of your belly. I believe rivers of living water are going to be going to flow from within. Come on, this is what we're doing right now. We're letting the enemy know. You can take my car. You can take my house. You can take my peace. You can take my joy. You can take my money. But you can't take my praise. You can't take my shout. You can't take my thanksgiving. You can't take what's on the inside of me. I'm going to give it back to God. Because he alone is worthy of it. Come on, just for a few more moments. Pump that praise. Prime that praise. Let the enemy know. You're not going to stop this praise. Not today, devil. I will not bow my knee and worship the enemy. No, 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 no. But I will worship God and serve only Him. Hallelujah. Come on, just a few more seconds. Come on. I feel like somebody's just on the verge of a tipping point into your victory. You've been pumping. You've been priming. And here comes the overflow of joy. Here comes the overflow of peace. Here comes the overflow of hope. Here comes the breakthrough you've been believing for. Here comes the, the promise of God being released in your life. Devil, we serve notice. I serve notice on the devil today. You've kept us silent long enough. You've kept us crying long enough. You've kept us separated long enough. But today we're declaring with our loud voice, shut up, devil. I won't listen to your lies anymore. Shut up, devil. In fact, shut up, emotions. I ain't got time to listen to you anymore. You controlled me long enough. No, no. I'm going to lift my hands, lift my voice, and praise ye the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise, praise, praise. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, tell your soul. Bless him. Bless him. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Tell your emotions and all that is within me. Bless him. Hallelujah. I'm going to close this service, but as I do, I want to invite anybody just wants to join me at this altar. Come on. You want to join me? Come on. Come on. Jo you want to join me at this altar because you need to keep pressing that I'm, I'm opening this altar to you. Come on.